There it is. Can we give it up for our media team, Joel and Emma, always coming up with creative videos. Also, isn't it exciting to see what God's doing around the world? Places like Morocco, we're connected, loving people there, uh, our international partners, Gateway Medical Alliance. And so keep those ministries in your prayers during the week and just know that together we're reaching the world. Uh, also, you might have noticed the stage looks a little different today. The building looks a little different. Let's thank the design team. They put in a lot of hard work, and uh, we appreciate them very much. We have Christmas Eve coming up. This year we'll have services at 3, 5, and 7, Lord willing. So take note of that. There's going to be three services here in the building. And then, of course, you can join us online. So we're both on campus and online. Together in this place, we have candles, but we are putting together some Christmas boxes. So if you're not able to be here, you're going to be able to pick up those boxes. And we're connected as one family together. And at home, you'll have candles. You'll have some other things in the boxes. And we're looking forward to what God's going to do during this season. And you might also think about who you could invite to come with you for Christmas Eve. And you'll be reserving spots. We'll give you more information as we get closer. But uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do this month through this time of celebrating the birth of Jesus. And also we see God changing many lives. Uh, we have many people right now who are interested in baptism. We have a couple people scheduled this month and many more. So we just added an additional class tomorrow night. And if you want to get some more information about baptism, because we had so many people that want that information, want to take that next step with Jesus, that you can simply text in baptism to the church phone number, and we will give you the Zoom link tomorrow. And it's a great way, if you've already decided to follow Jesus, biblically, it's really that next step, and we celebrate with you together. Uh, God's doing a lot uh, at our church, uh, even during a pandemic year, and we're grateful. I also want to share one update with worship and arts. And on our staff, we have two people on the team who lead worship, Liz and Joe. And Joe has been our worship and arts pastor this year, uh, but Joe's also made a decision now uh, to resign from his position. We would, uh, of course, wanted Joe to be on staff longer, but we also respect his decision. And just to kind of walk you through uh, the process, we joined with Vanderblumen, which is a nationally known solid search team, and uh, they do a great job. And it was Joe that was brought in as our worship and arts pastor earlier this year. And in the last few months, it's become evident, as Joe shared with pastors and elders, that his desire to be worship and arts pastor and lead worship on the weekends was fading. His passion for outreach continues to grow, and we've had a couple of months of just honest discussion, prayer, trying to think through the options, explored an outreach pastor position. But at the end of the day, uh, Joe just really sensed that grace is not where God wants him right now. So again, we're thankful for Joe. He did a lot in a short time, uh, both with worship and arts and tech. Uh, we're, we're very grateful uh, for him. And also pray now uh, as he is trying to discern the next step and exploring options uh, as he moves forward, continuing to serve God. And also pray for our church. Uh, we resume with Vanderbloom in this week. We have an appointment set up with them uh, to explore with more candidates and find a worship and arts pastor. And overall, I uh, also want to point out Liz is going to continue to lead us in worship. And we're so grateful she does such a wonderful job leading us in worship.
We will have a few guests uh, to help, so we want to protect Liz. She doesn't get burned out, and there'll be a few guests, and uh, probably just guests. So you don't have to be wondering, is this who's coming in? Is this who's coming in? We just want to give Liz a break along the way, but uh, we'll be praying and exploring more candidates soon with Vanderblumen, and uh, thank you for your prayers. We are starting a new series today, and it's a greater love We're looking at God's love for us far greater than we often realize. The main passage today is Galatians chapter 4. If you brought a Bible or you can find it on your phone, uh, go to Galatians chapter 4. And the theme today is the patience of Jesus. Love has many facets. The patience of Jesus is one way that we see God's love. And in Galatians 4, it's really personal and global at the same time, personal and global. Now, I often begin in prayer as we open up God's Word, but today we're going to do it a little differently. And with this theme of God's great love, there's a prayer in the Bible from Ephesians chapter 3 that we can pray together. And if you get stuck in prayer, as all of us get stuck in prayer, and you think, all right, how do I pray? What should I pray? I encourage you, go to the Scripture and pray the prayers in the Bible, Psalms, So many prayers. But then there's prayers throughout the Bible, and this is a prayer that Paul prayed, uh, and it was for the people he loved in a city called Ephesus. And we're going to pray this out loud together, so the words are going to be on the screen, and let's make this our prayer. Paul wrote it, uh, God wrote it through Paul, but we can pray this today, and let's join together. Let's join our voices in prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. And may God do more than we could ask or imagine this month as we follow him and as we receive his love, as we really take it in, the width, the breadth, the length, the faithfulness of God's great love for us. And we know he loves us. He sent his son Jesus, a demonstration of his love. God has a greater love for us than we realize. And Christmas is a time that really brings the wonder of God's coming near to us, his presence, and a wonder of uh, the gift, Jesus Christ. No greater gift than we'll ever receive. As you prepare your heart this Christmas season, Advent, as you think about closeness with the Lord Jesus, abiding with the Lord Jesus, and God's great love, there are many facets of God's love. And in this series, we're going to look at different aspects, things we appreciate about God's love. Today is the patience of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a chapter on love, and the first description in terms of love and a definition of love, love is patient. Turn to the person next to you and say, love is patient. 
That's right. Now let the other person say it. Find the other person. Say, love is patient. Love is patient. Here's the main idea today in the message. People who abide in Jesus have a deep well of patience. People who are abiding in Jesus have a deep well of patience. Now, Galatians chapter 4, there's many texts in the Bible that point us to and describe the birth of Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 is one that's rich theologically, and again, it's global and it's personal. Let's go ahead and look at this, Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Notice God's impeccable timing. At just the right time, at the set time, God sent his son. You picture some patience there. Uh, when is it time? Is it time? There's lots of rebellion on the earth. Is it time? No, it's not time. Finally, the set time. In the fullness of time, God sends his son at just the right time. God's timing in our life is impeccable. Sometimes we want to run ahead. Sometimes we also drift behind. But we can sense and uh, respect and trust God's timing. Now, uh, when you think about his timing and sending his son, there's a Greek word, hina. And when there's a hina clause, it means that there's purpose. He sent his son in order to redeem. Christmas and Easter are connected. We see it in this passage. There's great purpose, and that purpose is redemption. Redemption means to buy back. Jesus came with a mission. He would buy us back. We would be redeemed and forgiven and accepted and brought into his family through the death on a cross. And that redemption is something that he was faithful to complete. He said, it is finished, and we are the recipients and we receive redemption by faith, by putting our trust in Jesus, not through religion and not through law. Now, the word law here doesn't seem like a Christmas word. When you think about Christmas, not too many people talk about law, but in this passage, law is highlighted. And what is the importance of the law? The law is God's command. The law reveals God's character. It's his holiness, and it's also his standard. God has a standard, and we're held accountable to that standard. All of us have rebelled in different ways. None of us can perfectly keep the law. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He was sinless. Even though he was tempted, he didn't sin. He fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And in a way, that qualified him to die in our place. He is fully God, preexistent, but also human, born to Mary through the Holy Spirit. And because he's human and he kept the law, he's now qualifies as a substitute to pay the price, God's wrath on him, God's uh, justice, God's wrath, and ultimately our sins are no longer on us, but they're on Jesus when we put our faith in him. Jesus fulfilled the law, but he also uh, did something very significant in that he shattered legalism. And by that, it's a system of religion where people try to attain righteousness and God's favor and God's love through keeping the law. The message of Christianity, the crux, is grace. It's an undeserved gift. We're not striving so that God will eventually love us or accept us. It's all grace. We receive the grace, and then our good works are the fruit of a grace-based 
faith. Maybe you've grown up in a legalistic church where there's extra rules, extra laws. People are uh, almost like a scoring system. People look down upon you if they don't think you performed as well. It's cruel. It leaves scars. Jesus smashed legalistic and dead religious systems, and he brought grace. And we celebrate this. There's so much good news in these verses, and we're going to unpack these. Uh, but the, the truth is we are adopted into his family. We are um, in his family forever. We have peace with God, and we have forgiveness. And that should give uh, your soul a deep place of rest and contentment. And when there's craziness and change in life, you just go back to who you are, your identity. You're in God's family. And you can trust his timing and sending his son. You can trust his global timing, and you can trust his personal timing. And Galatians 4 sets this up so well for us. Now, let's hone in on the patience of Jesus today. And the truth is, we're often impatient. Uh, we need God's patience. Amen? Think about your own life for a minute. In what realms that you're impatient? How about driving? Is anyone impatient when they drive? Nobody here. Good to know. Nobody here. Wonderful. Uh, look how sanctified we are today. Uh, let's see this. How about money? Do you ever get impatient with money stuff? How about on the job? Do you ever get impatient? Do you get impatient with your goals? Do you get impatient with the people you love the most? When's the last time you've been impatient with your spouse? How about kids? How about your parents? Sometimes even grandparents, right? There can be a little battle of the wills. What about when someone disappoints you? Someone disagrees with you. Do you feel your blood pressure rising? What about at church? Do you ever get impatient? Maybe do you have a temper? get a little too strong, overreact? What does it look like? What does impatience look like in your life? All this reminds us that we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to abide. And the patience of Jesus is something we don't just want to study, but we want to receive it and live it. Receive and live the patience of Jesus. And we share a need for Jesus' patience together collectively. Uh, as we think about patience, we want to have the mind of Christ. And today we're going to look at three shifts, a healthy perspective of patience, and three shifts that I think line up with heaven. Uh, here's the first one. Patience is more about your transformation than your delay. When there's a delay... I know if I'm in an airport and there's a delay, it feels frustrating, and I just start getting focused on the delay. Uh, in life, when there's a delay, it's easy to overfocus on the delay. But what is God doing when there appears to be a delay? God is at work in a deep way in terms of transformation. Now, in this passage right here, Galatians 4:4, the time had fully come, and there's set times. I want you to think about this globally, universally, in God's plan. There was a set time for Jesus' birth. The Bible says that. Then there's a set time for his death. The Bible says that. Three days later, there was a set time for the resurrection. Then there was a set time for Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Then there's a set time for his return that none of us know the day and the time. And then there's a set time, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, Jesus Christ ruling and reigning, King of kings and Lord of lords. When you think about that panoramic view of God's plan, what does that tell us? God has a plan of salvation. God has a plan of transformation. Transformation globally and transformation personally. God has a plan of transformation for your life. He has set times. He, has, he knows the moments where he's going to come in and do a deep work, and we want to trust him and say yes to his plan of transformation. Consider 
the disciples. Roger Barrier writes an article, and he begins with this perspective. Think about the number of times Jesus was betrayed, criticized, denied, or misunderstood. If you've been betrayed, criticized, denied, or misunderstood recently, Jesus can relate. He lived in that tension. Now, that's how the disciples often stumbled, but here's some examples, and this is really from the Gospels. When you think about the disciples, the original 12 who spent so much time with him. Uh, While Jesus was in agony in Gethsemane and asked them to pray, the disciples fell asleep. They missed it. The Last Supper, before his crucifixion, they get into a dispute about who's the greatest. The Son of God is about to lay down his life, and they're in a dispute over which one is the greatest. Judas betrayed him. Philip had a sense of panic instead of patience. Thomas doubted. Peter denied Jesus. They all deserted and fled. And when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, what did they do? They went back to fishing, their old profession. They went back to their plan. Uh, What we see with the disciples is really a before and after. The before is in the Gospels, and the after is in the book of Acts. Now, I want you to think about your own transformation and what God's doing in your life. What does the before look like? How would you describe the before? And now, what about the after? What has God already done? What do you see him doing? The before and the after. We worship a living God who transforms our lives. Let's think about the after. The after, the same people, but not the same people. Amen? Doesn't that describe transformation? We are the same people and we are not the same people. And they become filled with God's love, God's presence, the Holy Spirit. They're eager to share the gospel. And then what do they do? They go to the world. James, a martyr in Jerusalem, on the streets, he was killed. Matthew, this is according to historical records. Uh, we don't read this in the Bible, uh, but Roger did some work uh, studying this. And uh, Matthew died in Ethiopia through the sword. Philip was hanged in Phrygia. Bartholomew was skinned alive in Armenia. Andrew took the gospel to Russia and then was crucified in Greece. Thomas took the gospel to East India and he was run through with a lance. Thaddeus shot to death with arrows in Beirut, Lebanon. Simon the Zealot crucified in modern-day Iran. Peter took the gospel to Rome and he was crucified upon his request upside down because he didn't think he was worthy of being crucified right side up in the same way as the Lord. So he was crucified upside down. And then John, the only one who was not a martyr, God sent him to the Isle of Patmos where he received visions of the future. We have the book of Revelation that he penned. The Holy Spirit wrote through him. Also seeing some of the brutal things to come and also seeing the ultimate victory of Jesus. And in all these examples, we see the patience of Jesus in transformation. Has Jesus been patient with you in your transformation? What's he still doing in terms of transformation? When you think about these disciples, there was a before and there was an after. Where do you want to be? Wouldn't you agree that we need followers of Jesus who look more like the after than the before? To look like the book of Acts, full of the Spirit, full of love, taking the gospel wherever we go. God might lead you to Sumner. God maybe has led you to Covington or Kent, Fife, Auburn, Bonnie Lake, Lake Taps, Maple Valley, Seattle. 
God sends us out just like he sent out the disciples, full of his love, full of his grace, full of his truth, full of the gospel. And uh, that's when we receive the Holy Spirit. And then God takes over in this work of transformation. Uh, There's an explosion. Uh, The Holy Spirit brings power, dynamis, the word dynamite. There's an explosion in their lives that you can't miss. And uh, what would that look like? Kind of a gospel explosion in your life. I'm talking about this year, not 10 years later, this year. Uh, There was an explosion in Paul's life, and he shared his story. He shared it in different times as he wrote the Bible, the book of Acts. This is from 1 Timothy. Paul was mentoring Timothy, and Paul was very transparent about his struggles. You think the Apostle Paul, you know, wrote 13 books, planted churches, and you think about all the people he led to the Lord, but he was very transparent with his struggles, and this is how he summarized his story. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He says, I'm the worst of the sinners. If you want to know me, look at all my sin. God's grace abounds greater than my sin, but my sin is not small. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. He says, but for that very reason, catch this, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, if you feel like it's hopeless and you've sinned too much, just think about the Apostle Paul. Because as you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you're going to say, if God can transform the Apostle Paul, God can transform anyone with his unlimited patience. And now Paul says this to Timothy. Because Timothy needs a transformation. He has an assignment from God. Sometimes Timothy feels overwhelmed. Do you feel overwhelmed? Timothy feels timid. Do you ever feel timid? And Timothy wrestled with that. But God, you know, through Paul said, we don't have a spirit of timidity, but power and love. And he said, Timothy, my son, in the next verse, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. In other words, then and in 2020, some people are going to shipwreck their faith in difficult times. Some people are just going to be timid in difficult times. But Timothy, God will transform you. He is faithful. Fight the good fight, Timothy, and let God do a deep work through the Holy Spirit. So when you feel like there's a delay... Instead of focusing on the delay, remember that God will use times of delay to bring a deep work of transformation and trust him. Here's a second perspective with patience. Patience is more about trusting right now than a result later on. Back to Galatians, we read that you are sons and daughters right now. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts right now. Abide with Jesus right now. Say, well, 2020 is a difficult year to abide with Jesus. I know for our kids, there's remote learning, and that has been a stretch. Uh, Well done to any parent in this room who has been guiding and navigating their children, experiencing remote learning and how difficult that is on so many levels. Uh, Just well done loving your child and helping them through this time, or your grandchild as well. Uh, It's been difficult, 
And our kids will often verbalize, like they want to be back at school, they want to be with their friends, they want to be in the class, they want to be with their teacher, and we just, it's a lot of waiting right now. And so what do we do? What are we learning? Instead of just focusing on the result, what about right now? What are we learning and how can we trust God? Uh, I thank God for our next-gen ministries. Uh, Pastor Mark is doing an incredible job leading, and then also the team, Becca, Gail, Amanda. And what I like about the vision is it's a combination of at the church and at home. And if one thing has been revealed during this last year, it's that we need to be spiritually vibrant at the church and at home. And it brings it together because kids only have a few hours at church during the year, but they have, you know, thousands of hours at home. And what's happening at home? And the whole vision is to equip parents to help train kids and guide kids into the love of the Lord at home. And with that, uh, our family was looking at some of the verses that are sent home. We have four kids, and uh, we opened up to this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it just jumps out. It starts, I'll I'll give you a couple verses as some context to, to ramp up here. 1 Thessalonians 5, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. There it is, God's patient. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Now we say, what is God's will? Okay, here it is. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in 2020. What is it? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And that was a powerful moment for us with our kids at home, looking at those verses, talking about abiding with the Lord. The Bible says that for the one who is patient, in the book of Proverbs, they are greater than a warrior. A patient person calms a quarrel. Patient people calm quarrels. A patient person has wisdom. And in fact, uh, when we have a temper, it reveals impatience. And impatience reveals that we're not abiding with Jesus. When someone has a temper, hot-tempered, when someone's impatient, it reveals they're not abiding with Jesus. And again, which realms do you need God's patience? Is it more in the home, the workplace, friendships, family, church? Where would you today say, God, come and transform me? In the book of Proverbs chapter 14, Verse 29, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. There are going to be temptations to compare, envy, and be jealous. There's going to be temptations to be quick-tempered every day. But instead, when you receive the patience of Jesus, what do we have? Understanding, and we have a heart at peace. And that's what God wants for us. That's part of his transformation. Here's a couple of questions underneath, you know, being impatient. Here's a couple of key questions. Do you really believe that God is still in control right now? Do you really believe it? In your life, in the nation, in the world, do you believe that God is still in control? Do you believe that Jesus gives you abundant life every day? Any day of the week, Jesus offers abundant life and living water. And how open is your heart to receiving God's love and even God's patience? Is your heart open to receive from the Lord today? 
we had a knock on our doorbell Friday night, 8.45. It's like, who's knocking on our door at 8.45? It was some neighbors that decided they wanted to bring over a lot of chocolate and oranges and a gift. And we were like, what is this? These people love Jesus. They live about 10 houses away. Uh, We don't talk to them very often. But uh, whenever we see them, the love of Jesus just pours out of them. Do do you know some people that's like whenever you see them, it's just some joy of Jesus, some peace of Jesus, some love of Jesus. And what I've seen them during this year, this difficult year, is they are abiding and there's just fruit. Well, literal fruit, I guess, bad pun. But uh, there's just fruit in their lives. And they're focused on right now in abiding and loving their neighbors. And uh, we can all love our neighbors. Nothing can stop us from receiving God's love and bringing God's love to the people that he's placed around us. And that was a powerful reminder for our family on Friday night. Okay, patience is more about the right now moment than it is about later results. And lastly, patience is more about diligence than passivity. Some people have a false perspective of patience that you just kind of sit back and do nothing and get passive and just watch some things happen. That is not biblical patience. Yes, it's, it's good to be still and know that he is the Lord. Yes, it's good to take a Sabbath. Yes, it's good to rest. But the posture of patience in the Bible is active and it's diligent. Uh, the tension here in Galatians 4 is that in verse 7, we are heirs and we know the inheritance. We know the end of the story. But also in verse 6, we cry out, Abba, Father. And that word Abba, it's like when a child says, Daddy, When you talk to God, you say, Daddy, and there's intimacy and there's reliance. And it's a both and. It's reliance right now and it's an inheritance that cannot be taken away. And in that reliance, when we're filled with the Spirit again, there's diligence in our lives. It's not passivity. I want to show a picture of a couple at our church. This is Tom and Jan Lumsden. And Tom is just retiring now as a professional counselor. And I think of patience for people who are counselors, good listeners, ask questions, really understand people, and then can bring grace and truth. And Tom and Jan, when I think about them, I think of care, I think of counseling, and I think of leading people to Jesus. I mean, I think they've led countless people to Jesus. And, uh, but it's out of that care and comfort and loving people and diligence as well. Tom has cancer and he has just continued to serve people during cancer. There's a diligence and a perseverance that's inspiring when I think of their lives. And when I think about, you know, the context for us and the context for Jesus, I wrote down Jesus so often in the gospels, he's in pain, there's disappointment, there's injustice, and he's attacked. And in the middle of that, there's diligence. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. We read this as Paul writes again to the Galatians. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, there's that sense of timing again, trusting God's timing. Be patient. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, let's love each other here because how are we going to love the world if we don't love each other here? Let's love each other here and then let the overflow go out into the streets and into the community. I believe this is a key time for the church in America. I believe it's a defining time and I believe that uh, the church has a choice and it's either irrelevance or diligence right now. Uh, When I say irrelevance, 
I know that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, and I know God's kingdom won't be stopped. But in terms of how we live, it would be easy now for the church to drift into irrelevance, but I don't believe that's our calling. I believe our calling is to stand up with backbone, with patience, with love, but with diligence, and to live out our faith. We're made for times like this and to rise up. So being patient for the pandemic to pass is not being passive. It actually involves diligence and a backbone. And when you think about living for the Lord on a personal level, what does it look like to live for Jesus in 2020 as we head into 2021? What do you want to be true in your walk with God? But then globally, you might be thinking, Lord Jesus, just come back. Do you ever long for Jesus to come back? <laughs> like... What's going to be better, right? And it's like, God, would you just end the injustice, the misunderstandings, the division, the hatred, the violence, the pain, the impurity, with the corruption? Jesus, would you just come back and make it all right? Because he will, but when? And why is he not coming back yet? And the Bible tells us, and Peter writes this, he says, the reason he's not returned yet is that because God doesn't want anyone to perish but all to come to eternal life. The Lord's patience means salvation. The Lord's patience means salvation. Pew Research did uh, this uh, investigative work, and in 1910, there was an estimated 600 million Christians on the earth. 600 million in 1910. By 2010, 2.3 billion Christians on the earth. Just think about if Jesus would have come back in 1910, that is millions and millions and millions of people that would not be in heaven. But he has waited and he hasn't come back yet. The estimate is by 2050, there'll be 2.9 billion followers of Jesus on the earth. God's kingdom grows and every day God waits, there's more people. The population of heaven grows. What is God doing in the wait for Jesus to return? It's a deep work of transformation in our lives so that we'll trust him personally and globally more people will come to know Jesus. Be encouraged about what God's doing. And here's the wrap up. When you hear the word patience, many people think of delays, disappointments and difficulties, passivity, and results later. But I don't believe that's the mind of Christ. What I see in the Bible is that patience includes transformation, trust, and diligence. When you look at the end times in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, two things that you see accelerate. You see the number of tragedies accelerating, and you see the kingdom of God growing. And uh, I believe we're seeing both. I believe we're seeing more tragedies on the earth, and I also believe we're seeing an expansive uh, growth and even in many countries, a multiplication of disciples that is remarkable, even places like China. And I don't know when Jesus will come back, but I know that in our patience, He wants us to be diligent, and we're seeing both. And in the book of Revelation, the exhortation is to continue, continue diligently follow Jesus, be faithful to Jesus. And we're going to get through this with patient endurance. That's the word in the book of Revelation. Patient endurance, diligence, faithfulness to Jesus. And I'll close with the main idea again. People who abide in Jesus have a deep well of patience. Let's abide together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you 
uh, for your patience with us in our sin, in our attitudes, in our rebellion, in our perspectives. Jesus, thank you for being patient with us this year and for many years. And God, we don't want a picture of patience that's not from you. Not a wimpy, passive, kind of hopeless patience, frustrated patience. But instead, uh, we're praying for a patience that's full of the abundant life, deep trust, deep transformation in our lives, transformation in our cities, in our families. Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit. We pray for the Holy Spirit in this place, in our hearts, right now. Not a future result down the road, but right now, God, fill us with your Spirit as we ask, as we surrender, as we confess our sins to you. Fill us with your Spirit, God. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and patience, and so often we don't have it. So God, fill us with your Spirit, that your love and joy and patience would grow in our lives, that same person but not the same person. I pray, God, even today it would be a turning point. What you do through your Spirit in our lives, I pray it would be a turning point. God, in areas where we have not been patient, I pray for a new patience. Bring the renewal that only you can bring through your Holy Spirit. Your peace, your patience, for your glory. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.